To truck it, I'm Dooner here with Michael Vincent, the dude. Hey, hey, I'm doing great, man. Beautiful Wednesday afternoon, man. The sun is shining. It's cool outside, but the sun is warm. It is a little Feels chilly. Good. A little, yeah, little chilly. Guess little, uh, Jack Frost chilly. getting the coat. Yeah, yeah. The the grass was a little crunchy this morning. <laughs> so I've been looking at some numbers, and today we're gonna okay. we're gonna get in some predictions with our guests today about Ooh. how 2022 is gonna go. And I think it's only fair right. actually to do a prediction show at this time of year, once we've already been able to dip our toe in the water. Because I think when you don't, people get a little too optimistic. <laughs> when you don't, when you tip your toe, in, when you don't tip your toe no, in the water, you your they get too... a little too early. You're doing too early in December. People get too optimistic about what's going to happen. And maybe yeah, yeah, a little yeah, too yeah. unrealistic about what's going to happen this year. Because as yeah. we're seeing with numbers, it's going to be more of the same. A lot of more of the same. However, I... the messaging from the White House is changing. Fuji, did you hear he said that with Omicron, we'll ultimately find just about everybody. And I don't know about you guys out there. But I know with yeah. these other variants that rage through, original COVID, Delta, yeah. all mm-hmm. the sequels, all the prequels, um, the Phantom Menace, all these other different versions of it, it wasn't until Omicron that nearly everyone I know uh, within like one degree or two degrees of separation has been hit by this. Yeah, it is. I, I just said that yesterday to a friend of mine who tested, po- his whole family tested positive. Yeah. We were just talking about this. I said that to him yesterday. I said, you know what? It is completely flipped. I used to not know anybody except anecdotally who got it. Now... I only anecdotally know people who haven't had it. <laughs> I mean, it's almost that crazy of a flip, right? Exactly. You know, and I, I don't know. After two years, it seems like maybe this messaging does have to change. There's, I, every me- you, And you can look from state to state, and every state has done their own different version of this. Sure. Had, you can go extreme like New York or, or California, and it, it hasn't really helped. Or you can go to no extreme whatsoever like Florida, and it hasn't helped. And I think that people are finally realizing this is something that we're just like like a flu we might have to just figure out how to live with this thing. And like we did before COVID, if you're sick, don't go to work. Hopefully employers are more understanding yeah. than they used to be, especially in logistics. We all remember the, the olden days of calling in sick to work at a brokerage job and uh, getting the evil eye. Sure, sure, sure. Well, these days it's easier to stay home uh, as a preventative measure sickness type of day because we've, we've gone through the work from home experiment. Yeah. It works. You can be effective in most jobs at home. Uh, and so staying home to say just in case, a little bit easier thing to do in stomach. Right? It's horrible what's happening at some of the schools, too. I mean, they're still having yeah. students come in, but uh, you're hearing about absences of 15 to 20 different teachers. Yeah. Unfortunately, my kid's school has been pretty good about it, but in general, it's, it's been tough. We feel for you all out here. It's going to be another tough year. Remember that with your partners. Remember that with everybody. And it's also going to be an expensive year. This is our number of the mm. day. Look at what the truckstop.com seven-day dry van rate per mile is inclusive of fuel right now on a national road. It's 383. We're showing here on the video for you audio listeners, we're showing the past few years here in our sonar data platform. And this is the highest it's ever been. And it's quite a bit higher over the next closest peak, which was several months ago. Yeah, it's back in, uh, wow, August. Yeah. Right, be, well, yeah, right at the end of August, right before uh, Labor Day, we saw that run-up that just went poof, that went, it, that went crazy. It's tough, and look, yeah. you, you're not going to find any relief. It's even worse if you're pulling reefer. You're pushing, pulling those perishables. Check yeah. out this chart. The oh, yeah. orange line is your reefer. That's at 488. <clears throat> Flatbed's the only place that you're, you know, you're kind of not getting hit nearly as hard. That's elevated over other levels. But obviously oh, that's the green with, one there at 351? Yeah, with these, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have the massive spikes of these yeah. other modes. But it, it's still brutal to operate in this environment, and I think that... 
A lot of people want to transfer their 2021 predictions of optimism to 2022. And we go in this year and there's more ships than ever waiting at port. It's cost higher to book freight on the ocean. It costs higher to book freight on the inland. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what some of our guests will have to say about what the, how they think this year will go. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to get into this and see because there's been so many different predictions, but it seems like it's just more of the same. Remember when it was uh, two years ago, <laughs> it was like, okay, well, by Chinese New Year's, we'll be good. Well, we're going to yeah. have to push that out to Memorial Day. Well, we're going to push that out to the 4th of July. Well, here it is a year and a half later. We're still pushing the line, much like the uh, demerge fees. <laughs> look, much like, look, here it is, much like COVID policy, because it's been so tied into freight. With freight, you just don't know. It seems like it's going to get worse before it gets better, though, yeah. just looking at many of these different indicators. We don't want to be all in doom and gloom on this episode, so we will try and focus on some of the positive that predictions sure. that we have and the positive focus that's going in. But the reality is, the stark reality of it is, is that there's still going to be a lot of challenges and headwinds that we have to get through. Some of the other things we'll get onto the, on into on the show today are how to save money with renewables. We'll talk about the three 3G sunset that is coming. The different networks throughout mm. the year are uh, sunsetting their, their 3G networks. And yeah, yeah. Um, I believe uh, maybe it's Verizon. I don't know. We'll get into it when we do later. But uh, that one's not till December 22, but a lot or much sooner. Um, we'll also let you know what you need to know about autonomous trucks and what's going on there. But before we get into the news, let's tip the band. You think of AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in recent years, they've evolved to become a global transportation management leader, generating more than $2 billion in annual revenue by providing supply chain solutions for Fortune 500 companies shipping between Asia, Europe, and North America. Despite the company's exponential growth, they are still the experts when it comes to creating customized solutions to fulfill your supply chain requirements. Find out how your business can benefit from AIT's logistics experts at Tell'em Dude. Hey, man, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. Headlines! All right, what's going on in the world today? All right, Secretary Pete, he has vowed to fight container rate inflation. That headline sounds very strong and very mighty. Fortunately, the article does not. John Gallagher reports. <laughs> yeah. I'll get into that. John Gallagher's article <laughs> itself is great, but what he has to report is sort of, yeah. U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, he visited the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach yesterday to promote record-setting cargo volumes while vowing to address potential anti-competitive behavior in the, co- in the container market. Yes, yes. Um, Pete told a gathering of port officials and lawmakers at the port of Long Beach, he says, there's no question that when you have a scarcity of access to shipping, you're going to see upward pressure on prices, and that's going to be part of the challenge when it comes to inflation. Here's some ocean rates right now. This is what we're looking at this week. Um, a couple weeks ago, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. right before we broke for the holiday around December 21st, I was looking at these, and you were looking at between 17000 and 20000 for uh, for 40s um, at a Yantian in the Shanghai area, and that didn't really matter where you're going. Um, now we're looking at to LA about fifteen five for uh, Yantian to LA to New York, seventeen nine. Um, and that's kind of it across the board. You're, you're kind of in for it, right? Right between yeah. there, Houston, 17. Anywhere about L.A., L.A.'s in the 15. Everywhere else is about 17. Oakland, 13, 5. So you're still spending a ton on the ocean side as well, just slightly better than when we went into the holiday. Yeah, that's when you were offering anywhere in Yanchin to the United States for 20 grand, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> Basically, it was a 20 grand special. <laughs> right. So Pete goes on to say, when there's actual wrongdoing, there will be vigorous enforcement. That is something that anytime the administration sees it, the president has directed, there will be action. And that's true on anything from evidence of gas price gouging to anything affecting goods. Buttigieg uh, has been under pressure, particularly from political advers- adversaries, to be more visible around the country and explaining the administration's strategy for getting out from under the supply chain crisis. That still includes a huge backlog of ships waiting on dock uh, to unload at the West Coast. I don't think they're, I think it's we're threatening not to be their friend anymore if they keep doing this. Yeah, it says they're looking not that they found anything. In fact, a report came out from the FMC, I believe it was right before we also yeah. went on break, that said that they did not find anything. So it looks like, <laughs> you know, he says something All at the good here, here, but nothing's actually really <laughs> going to be happening, at least from an enforcement standpoint. And I don't even know if there could be anyway. Well, that, that's that's the thing, right? I mean, that's that's what you were implying when you were introducing this article yeah. is what, what can they actually do anyways, right? And I think that's part of the issue. Yeah. Well, the ports can do is they can spend some money. Uh, L.A., Long Beach, and other California ports will benefit from an additional $1.2 billion over two years based on a budget proposal released this week by Governor Gavin Newsom. The money will be used on projects to improve port performance. So uh, if you can't fix it outside the house, I guess we got to clean our own. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. State of fulfillment is a mixed bag for retailers. So right now, a lot of retailers having to deal with the fact that you bought a lot of stuff in the past year. You bought a lot of stuff for the holidays. Now you want to return it. Brian Strait reports social media is populated on a daily basis with posts from consumers complaining about their e-commerce deliveries not arriving on time. Although I got to say my on times have been quite a bit better recently. Mine have been decent. Yeah. Well, the good news for those consumers is that the retailers themselves are not completely satisfied with their ability to deliver either. No, that's true. In the second annual Bring Barometer, the State of Retail Delivery and Fulfillment 2022 report, 47% of retailers said that they were somewhat satisfied with delivery windows, and 4% said they were dissatisfied. Only 29% felt that they were doing a great job with delivery windows, suggesting there is plenty of room for improvement in the process, uh, according to the Delivery and Fulfillment Cloud Platform company Bring. I wonder if those 29% are thinking we're doing a great job uh, considering. <laughs> they, they could be. I did, <laughs> I did find this interesting, and it because networks have had to diversify just to get capacity and to, to make sure these fulfillments happen, more than 80% of retailers now, they work with as many as five different last mile providers, so it's yeah. not just a world of the big three, of the FedEx, the UPS, and the USPS out there, but 36% that it actually hurts their brand control to do so, so they don't know, they don't know exactly who's picking the stuff up, they don't know how you're getting it, and the brand experience has been hurt. And they're aware of it, so they're looking into it. You got any deliveries from like Uber drivers and Lyft? Walmart does weird stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I got some deliveries uh, from Amazon that came in an unmarked van that was obviously someone's minivan. Guy yeah. just got out in a t shirt and delivered it. There's another article on FreightWaves.com. Truckers are using cocaine more than marijuana, as study finds. We don't have time to get into it on today's episode. It's on FreightWaves.com, as are all of these headlines. But basically what the story is saying is that due to the nature of testing, being you taking a whiz quiz versus um, hair follicle testing, that marijuana plays heavily into those those urine tests because it's fat-soluble. It stays in your system for more than 30 days, where meth, uh, opiates, cocaine, they're all out of your system much quicker. You could have a party on the weekend, be back to driving, take the whiz quiz, and and, and pass. Test. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're saying if you looked at hair, though, you would see that the problem in those categories is much higher than it is with marijuana. They're just being... Yeah, and it's a good article. I mean, because they do, they actually do compare hair samples, because they're looking yeah. at the uh, carriers, their own tests, which they're allowed to look at hair, right? Yeah. 
So, yeah, very interesting. Interesting space to navigate. I'd highly recommend you read that article. Hey, remember last week when we were arguing over the differences between biodiesel and renewable diesel? That yes. was the episode where you said that biodiesel is a hydrocarbon produced it by is. gasification. It is. I stand and by that. Py, uh, pyrolysis, and I said, no, that's renewable diesel. Everyone knows biodiesel is the mon- monoalkyl ester produced via transesterification. Well, uh, <laughs> we got another guest from you Neste. You can't even pronounce today. pyrolysis. How do you know if I'm right or wrong? Just because I can't pronounce it doesn't mean I don't know what I'm talking about. All right, Matt Lewicki is here. He's a technical manager at Neste Renewable Transportation Americas, and he's here to help us before I get too deep in the weeds pronouncing words I don't understand. Thank you for joining us today. How are you guys doing? And yeah, don't worry about the pronunciation. It's all good. <laughs> I imagine you guys even struggling. You have to say this all the time. Sir, introduce yourself to us. What do you do over at uh, Neste? What's your position there? So I'm, uh, I'm the technical manager here in North America for what we call our renewable road transportation team. So kind of the uh, fuel subject matter expert, I guess, for renewable diesel. Um, you know, we, we as a company, Neste, we're the, the world's largest producer of renewable fuels. Um, we're, we're in the business of fighting climate change. You know, we want to leave the, the planet healthier and better for our kids than, than we came into it. And that's, that's what we're all about. Cool. So uh, other than expanding the vocabulary and learning how to, how to, how to pronounce big words, um, wh- why, are, why, why is our audience interested in this? Why do we need to be looked at this? What do we need to know about uh, renewable diesel? You know, so the, the transportation industry is a huge contributor to greenhouse gas emissions, right? It's one of, one of the biggest contributors in the United States, I think 24 or 25%, something like that. And even within that segment, the heavy duty market is the biggest contributor again. So, um, you know, renewable diesel is a way to immediately overnight without making changes to your fleet, to your infrastructure, to whatever else, make a difference, right? You can immediately cut your greenhouse gas emissions without making any changes to anything else you're doing um, and still get some other benefits down the line by going to a cleaner, better fuel. Matt, I think we have a picture of a DPF filter, if you guys could bring that up. Could you tell us a little bit about, because I found this picture really, yeah, it's that one right there, guys. Yeah, show that right here. Can you tell me a little bit about how uh, reducing suit affects the DPF life? Yeah, so the, the picture there is actually a fuel filter. So two, two points here. Um, one, the fuel is very clean, right? We make it from the same feedstocks that you made make some biodiesel from, right? These waste, you know, fats, oils, greases, whatever else. Um, chemically, it's, it's different though. Chemically, it is identical to a fossil diesel. So you can blend it, or you don't have to blend it, I guess. You can run it pure, neat, 100%, whatever you want to say it. Um, but because it's contaminant-free, you're not going to have these filter plugging issues. That picture there, that was, that's uh, fuel filters from a school bus fleet in California. They do 4,000 mile maintenance intervals, 4,000 mile PMs. And on the left side is the fossil diesel filters. And on the right side is renewable diesel. So, you know, when we say we make a contaminant free, very pure fuel, this is, it's a very practical picture here of what that looks like in the real world, right? This is a very, very pure fuel. You're not going to have contaminant issues. You're not going to have all the problems with contamination in your fuel system that you might with a fossil fuel. So you're saying the, um, the one on the right you, is um, the one on the right is a used filter. That's not a brand new filter. Yeah, it would, it's actually kind of surprising. Yeah, that, there's four thousand miles on that filter there, um, and it looks brand new almost. So think about how long you've got to extend those filter change intervals, right? You don't need to replace that. That's just wasted money if you threw that in the trash and put a new one in there. So um, for a, for a fleet manager, that that's straight bottom line benefit. Um, that, that is that's more money in the pocketbook at the end of the day. 
Okay, so yeah, okay, two key key things there. Bottom line, wasted wasted money, wasted cost. Talk about talk about the three places that uh, diesel engine drivers uh, are going to save money that they they don't know about. Tell tell me things they don't know. Yeah, so I, there's there's three pretty big ones, I guess. Um, one we kind of show is the filter cleanliness, right, or the, the fuel cleanliness. So it affects filter life. Um, beyond that, the combustion of the fuel itself is much cleaner. So you mentioned the DPF earlier and soot. Um, as fuel combusts in the cylinder, there's soot, there's particulate matter, exactly, it's a great visual. All that particulate matter and soot has to go out the exhaust pipe, and since 2007, we have these diesel particulate filters that have to trap that before it goes to the atmosphere. Um, as that soot's trapped, you have to go through this DPF regen process and things that really maintenance managers hate. I mean, it's, it's, it's not fun to deal with all that stuff. So renewable diesel is going to make anywhere from 25 to 50% less soot, depending on engine and application. So that's you know far fewer contaminant uh, particulate particles that are going in through EGR coolers and DPFs and other things that you have to deal with down the road. Um, from there, also you know fuel doesn't all combust; some gets down into the oil pan into uh, your lubricating oil. So if, you, if you're combusting more cleanly in the cylinder, you're not going to contaminate that engine oil as often or as much. So you can extend that oil change interval, that oil life for the truck beyond that. And then really long-term, so those are kind of, you know, preventative maintenance PM type things. Long-term, you're going to have a lot less uh, deposits and other stuff in the fuel injection system. So in the pumps and the injectors themselves. Um, There you go, perfect visual. So these are uh, internal injector parts that Mm -hmm. Detroit Diesel did some testing on. Uh, Basically kind of long-term, as fuel breaks down, it creates a lot of deposits, creates issues in injectors. Kind of going from left to right there, uh, there's a B5 fuel and then a B0, so pure fossil, and then renewable diesel on the far right. Um, kind of showing over the, over the course of their test cycle, the, the amount of deposits and buildup that happens in injectors, renewable diesel is really clean. It, it doesn't, it's very stable. It doesn't cause deposits, doesn't cause problems in these systems. Um, and because of that cleanliness, actually, renewable diesel meets top tier diesel fuel standards. Um, Top tier is a group of OEMs. It's you know GM, Detroit Diesel, Ford, all, all these other companies out there. They basically say um, we recognize that a higher quality fuel helps helps them, the OEMs, reduce their maintenance costs. So they want uh, better quality fuel up to the market. Uh, right now, the Neste Neste My Renewable Diesel is the only top tier certified renewable diesel out there, which means we meet all these. OEM requirements for cleanliness and injector, you know, lack of injector deposits and all the other stuff that that helps keep engines running for quite a long time. How, how will renewable diesel affect my warranty? We're seeing some of these great internal things that would happen, but is there any impact on uh, on your warranty? Uh, actually, there's not. So renewable diesel, um, it's a little, it's different than biodiesel. It's made from the same stuff, but it is a pure hydrocarbon, right? It's not this other methyl ester molecule. Um, it meets the same standards. So if you go in your owner's manual, you'll see you know, your, whatever truck you drive is going to require ASTM D975. That's the spec for all diesel in, in the U.S. Renewable diesel meets that. So um, just kind of by default, it meets all the standards that's required. But also, we work closely with a lot of OEMs, you know, Cummins, Cat, Deer, all the big guys out there. They, they basically said, we understand how, how great this fuel is. It is a hydrocarbon fuel. It's a fossil replacement. Um, we're fine with it running in our engines. So, I mean, really, there, there's no way um, any warranty could ever be affected by running this fuel because chemically it's the same 
as fossil, just without the contaminants and the dirty stuff and the negative side effects. That's excellent. So you have any predictions this year? We're going through some predictions uh, for 2022. Any predictions in renewable fuels for this year? And it's growing. It's growing like crazy. Um, you know, Neste, we, we're expanding our Singapore refinery. So we're, we're doubling the footprint there. We're doubling its capacity. And there's going to be some other, uh, you know, expansions around the world for us. Outside of our, our company, there's a lot of other announcements about investments and, and new builds and conversions going on from fossil um, assets over into the renewable world. So I think uh, everyone's going to start seeing a lot more renewable diesel on the market these days or in, in the next year, two years. Um, it, it's not going to be a flash in the pan and go away. It, it's here to stay. Matt, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Th- thanks for doing the good work on these renewables. We appreciate your time today. Go check out Neste to find out more about renewable diesel and maybe switching your fleet over to be on top of those predictions that he just mentioned. Be ahead of the curve here. It's excellent stuff. Thanks so much, Matt. We appreciate your time today. Yes. All right, now let's jump over to Glenn. It's been a, it's been a, well, it's been a year, well, not a year, but it's been since last year that we've seen him. Glenn Spangenberg, he's the CCO <laughs> over at Locomation. Uh, he's got his big smile on as always. Glenn, we love having you on the show. Thanks for coming back, and I hope you had a great New Year. Absolutely, it was a good turn of the century, or good turn of a uh, of a very uh, short century over the last couple of years. Is why yeah, and, into another one here. We'll see if it's a year or a century to go still. Well, Glenn, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show today is you did a webinar on the 14th. Now, this show, a lot of freight waves shut down on the 17th. So, yeah. first of all, I'm not sure if it was right near the end of the year. I'm not sure if anyone, if everyone who listens to the show caught that webinar. I, I know I did, but there was some great information. And you recapped some fascinatingly bold claims at it. So, today, I think we want to go over those. So, let's pretend nobody saw the webinar, and let's start there. What were some of these claims that you were making on those that I found so fascinating? Yeah, absolutely. So there really were two extremely bold claims. One is is that through the implementation of Locomation's autonomous truck technology, that carriers could lower their operating expenses by about 30%. Now, that's a huge number. That, in some cases, will triple or quadruple uh, the profit number at the bottom line. Uh, Much of the savings comes out of fuel uh, performance uh, improvements, and that actually rolls into the second bold claim, uh, and that is that shippers will have the ability to reduce approximately 21% of their greenhouse gas emissions uh, by using carriers that are equipped with locomation. So you get really kind of two really significant lifts. For the carrier themselves, you get an improvement in your operating profit. And for the shipper, you get the ability to reduce for really kind of the first time in a step function, the CO2 that's being emitted, emitted out of your uh, purchase transportation uh, assets. Those are pretty bold claims there. Pretty amazing stuff. So uh, it'd be nice to be able to validate those claims. Have you done that? We, we sure have. In fact, we hired a company called Boundless uh, Analysis or uh, Impact Research and Analytics uh, to review the claims that we made. And primarily because we wanted to go big and bold with the claims that were in themselves uh, quite bold. And so this company, Boundless Impact Research and Analytics, uh, reviewed what we were claiming. They reviewed the science behind it. They reviewed the models. They reviewed the math. Uh, and they gave us, frankly, 10 out of 10 in terms of their score uh, for impact, both because of the efficiency for the carrier as well as the actual results in the CO2 reduction. Now, they themselves then were uh, uh, it audited, if you will, uh, by a world-leading climate scientist uh, who has the ability to look at the information that's being claimed and look at it through the lens of climate science. Uh, and they gave their stamp of approval to this as well. So this now becomes a report that is 
not only publishable, but usable by the shippers as well. So as you get uh, these large carriers talking to the locomotion-equipped uh, fleets, they've got the ability, to, and we do, to forecast exactly how much CO2 reduction will be eliminated with the implementation of the locomotion technology at that particular shipper. This is called scope three analysis. It gives a clear and accurate uh, insight on the climate business risks that are in the shipper's supply chain. So this validation means that the uh, shipper themselves can actually go to Wall Street and claim that over the next five years, they're gonna reduce given an amount. It's about 21% of the total carbon reduction that they're emitting today. So it's a significant improvement. Uh, and they have complete validity in that statement. It's no longer called greenwashing, and it actually is a certified number that they can begin to publish and take credit for as they talk about how they're reducing their carbon footprint uh, globally. Glenn, what's been the biggest contributor to that improvement or contributors to that improvement? You know, the the 30% operating uh, cost improvement really is what's driving the improvement and the reduction in the carbon emissions. And the 30% improvement in operating costs actually comes through a better utilization of the equipment. So you're actually putting two loads into operation at one time. You're getting full utilization out of all of those assets. Uh, so on the, uh, the line haul route, we're looking for approximately 20 to 22 hours of performance per day uh, for the two-truck convoy. Uh, since the trucks are running in close formation, you also get a fairly significant improvement in fuel performance by about 8% through the reduction of drag. Now you get a, a lower percentage on the front truck and a higher percentage performance on the follower vehicle, but all in all, you've got about an 8% reduction there in cost. So the driver savings uh, associated with the driver and the follower vehicle being off duty, not driving, uh, the reduction in the, the fuel performance, I'm uh, sorry, the, uh, the, the fuel spend. Uh, so those are the two biggest pieces that are combined uh, to bring about the savings. And then the last one is just utilizing the equipment better. You have a, a whole lot less equipment that's needed in the supply chain. So you get also the benefit of increasing the amount of capacity that's available for shippers to be able to use. So those are the real drivers behind the numbers. Yeah, those make perfect sense. But Glenn, Glenn let's talk about the economic viability and in the implementation of this for the companies a bit. Can you speak to that? Yeah, yeah I sure will. In fact, I ended up that webinar uh, by making this bold claim that we'll put in the contract that if what we're talking about is not economically viable, then all bets are off. Uh, when we shared that with our first two customers, which is Wilson Logistics and PGT Trucking, uh, those two leaders looked at it like this. Here's the amount of benefit that we get by choosing locomation. Here's the amount of benefit that our shippers get by choosing us because we're a locomation equipped carrier. And here's the amount of risk that locomation is willing to take by saying, if this is not economically viable, then all bets are off. We've essentially made kind of a win-win scenario for everybody uh, in that there's a lot we don't know about autonomous vehicles, autonomous trucking, uh, and how this will actually play out. We believe we have the best model in town, and that is a, an autonomous truck that follows a human-guided truck. Uh, but if at the end of the day we get there and these customers have committed to us to purchase units and it turns out it's not economically viable, uh, then all bets are off. And so this is really one of those rock-solid claims that Numbers are big. Risk is down. Choose locomation. There's a lot to be had in the near term as well as the long term. Now, Glenn, I got a question for you. It's just more of a curiosity one as we were watching that video on the arc. So you have the follower vehicle, right? And I imagine you're going over the road. When you pull in to, to park for the night, I, I imagine the, the follower vehicle just finds you, finds a parking space next to you. How exactly does that, does that work? Yeah. So the way it actually works is, is that because of the fact that the 
follower driver can go off duty not driving and actually go to sleep and rest, there is less necessity for those vehicles to pull off and actually find a place to go to sleep. If the leader driver says, hey, look, I want to do a split sleeper berth uh, here, and the plan is built out to where the follower driver knows when they need to get out of their uh, bunk, and the follower then gets back into formation and it becomes the follower, they take their rest break right there. They can take their 30-minute rest break without having to find a parking spot, uh, and they can take their 10 hours of, uh, you know, of off-duty not driving time as well uh, in order to find rest in the follower vehicle. So a lot of planning is going into how do you swap the drivers, leader and follower? When do you do that? And then also, how do you enable the drivers to make a, their own call, uh, sort of a game time call related to being sleepy and wanting to swap spaces for 30 minutes or an hour or two, two hours or, you know, whatever, even if it's their split, uh, split sleeper berth that they want to take in the back there, you know, they've got the ability to do that. So the convoy keeps moving while one driver drives and one driver rests. And that's one of the biggest benefits in the whole uh, equation because that's what drives utilization and that drives a better uh, system all together for the drivers that we serve. See, I like that. That's my kind of team driving too. I don't have to have you next to me in the same vehicle. You're, <laughs> you're behind me, Michael Vincent. <laughs> is that what you'd rather have? I don't have to deal wow. with you. Well, hey, Things this is our prediction out. show too. So Glenn, before we let you go, any predictions for what we're going to see in this autonomous space this year in 2022? Yes, I believe that we're going to see a lot of uh, hand waving around the completely sololess trucks, uh, you know, boasting about getting the driver out. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a commercially viable deployment of any of those trucks soon. Uh, I do also think that you're going to see an autonomous follower truck in a human guided scenario through this company called Locomation. Frankly, that's why I chose them. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's something that we'll see hauling freight uh, at the end of this year in grand fashion. And so those are my two big predictions. You know, I always Excellent. love the realistic approach that Locomation takes. They take a very yeah. honest and real, yeah. and I'm not just saying that, you guys take an honest and realistic approach to this, and you're not trying to promise the world. I saw a couple displays, that, I wasn't at CES, but I, someone sent me some of the materials of some of these displays, and, and what they're sort of promising out of the tech, I don't know if it's 2022 ready. I, I always like what you guys have to say, though. I appreciate it. Locomation, check them out. Glenn, one more time, we'll catch you up. My prediction is we'll catch up with you again in 2022. That sounds great, Dinner. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks. All right. We got to tip the band again. It's uh, China, it. Vietnam, Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, the Netherlands, the United Can Can Kingdom, the United Canada, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Mexico. AIT Worldwide wow. Logistics has 2,000 supply chain experts in all these countries and, of course, is in offices across the United States. And in 2022, they're adding more locations around the world as the organization continues to expand and make it easier than ever for their customers to ship between Asia, Europe, and North America. If you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as your business, you can learn more at Tell Them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. Yeah. Good thing we're not calling uh, Derek Powell up on our 3G iPhone 1s because uh, he's you the president of Velocity and they're doing a sunset <laughs> on those 3Gs. Last time we talked to him, they had just launched their innovation lab as well. So today we'll talk a little bit about the 3G sunsetting, what you need to know, and uh, we might even find out if anything's been innovated in that innovation lab. Derek, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year, my man. Happy New Year, gentlemen. How are you? We're doing really well. We're doing really well. How's the year starting out for you? You excited about this year so far? What's the temperature? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, while we're dealing with the number of challenges that things are going well. So we're excited. 
Well, we're looking at some of these timelines here for the 3G sunset. AT&T, they plan to just continue their 3G network in February mm. uh, on February 22nd. Or is that February? No, I think it's February 22nd. T-Mobile plans to discontinue theirs July 1st. Sprint 3G network on March 31st. The Sprint LTE network on June 30th. Ryzen plans to discontinue it's in December of this year. So by the end of the year, you're gonna have no options there. What do we gotta to do to get ready for it? That's that's the question. I gotta tell you, there's a lot of talk about this topic right now, but not enough. But it is time. In the trucking industry, we gotta get up. Um, let me set the stage for you what we're doing right So we have limited availability of fleet, limited availability of fleet assets, uh, a timeline that is constrained. Uh, and a hardware supply chain issue that is extraordinary. All of these constraints are going into a funnel somewhere between the end of February uh, to the end of the year, depending on which carrier you're with. Um, and any delay at this point is uh, is crucial. So for, for all of our customers in the trucking industry, we, if, if we haven't started yet, it's time to get going. If you haven't received a phone call from your current provider, it's time to pick up the phone and call them. Call us. Call somebody you trust in the industry, and let's talk about what needs to get done. Um, we're talking about you know 3G devices in the beginning, and we're talking uh, consumer to, to enterprise to commercial devices in excess of 200 million devices. Uh, nobody really knows the number in trucking of 3G devices yet to be upgraded. Uh, but yeah, we, we've, we have over a million in our pipeline right now, uh, and that's nowhere near everything. So uh, time is of the essence. This is a perfect storm, uh, and it's, it's time to get moving. So, so Derek, let me ask you this. You, 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 when I start thinking about the different devices that are there, more and more keep coming to my mind. If I own a fleet and I'm a running trucking, what are these devices? Am I going to get caught even though I try and think of these? Do I need somebody to come in and tell me things that I, I really don't even know that are there? I mean, I guess is I'm asking. like a project what, manager job? Yeah. Do, is there a project manager that needs to come in and look at these things? Yeah. So it's any cellular device. It's on the 3G network. There isn't a hard and fast rule as to what those devices are. But if it's more than a few years old, high likelihood that that's a 3G device. And so the, the best thing to do is to take a full um, inventory of all connected devices, cellular connected devices. So we're talking about ELD. We're talking about dash cameras. We're talking about trailer tracking, smart trailer applications, and many others. On a given tractor trailer rig, guys, you could have four or five at the top end connected devices that, mm. that have an issue here. Uh, and by the way, it's not it's not just trucking. It's anything that's a cellular device. I mean, we're one of the one of the most unique connected devices. We're upgrading thousands of devices in connected blenders in convenience stores. I mean, this is everything you can imagine. Oh, wow. So, with respect to trucking, uh, the th it is a project to manage for sure. Uh, this is a very high touch, intensive operation. And we're in a situation where supply constraints are already out there for the trucking industry. So the, the necessity to offline an asset for some period of time is, is costly and crucial. So you need a concrete plan, however that gets done. If it's a combination of partners or in-house resources, whatever it might be, uh, it's, it's time to get aggressive is, is the real message. Yeah, Derek, I mean, we were, we just showed our number of the day, which was 383, which is the drive-in rate per mile on a national level. Um, a lot of these things are enrolling assets. When rates are that good, the idea of pulling assets offline to adjust a piece of equipment is really not that attractive to a lot of fleets. Is this? Are, do you think we're in a situation where this just is getting pushed off by a lot of fleet managers until they're in a, 
a really bad danger zone. How do you see this going? Yeah, it's it's already happening, honestly, Dooner. It's we're there. Yeah, a lot of folks are are kind of, you know everybody's busy. We're we're all trying to figure out this supply chain and the recovery, and so there there are a lot of priorities that that everyone has in the industry. But this is not optional. This has to be done. These networks will not continue to be supported. Now, here's the good news: there is a bright side to this picture. It's just a little longer down the road. It's like your your previous guest, Glenn. Mm. Um, the upgrade to four and five G technology is the very platform on which things like a smart, connected, autonomous future in trucking relies. So the long-term picture is great. There is a justification for this investment. Um, so there is, there, there is a silver lining to it, but the reality is it has to be done. And every day that, that passes right now is a real issue. Hardware supply alone, as everybody in trucking knows, is an industry. So now we have this funnel tightening. Supply chain issues continue. Uh, and so for those who wait any longer, they, they are at risk of missing the date. So then you talk about things like ELD compliance. You think about things like visibility, just simple asset tracking. Uh, it's a real critical impact to the industry, to be sure. Well, he, you know, he mentioned supply constraints too. Now that has me yeah. thinking, are there enough devices out there to make these upgrades, especially yeah, for those who've been delaying and sitting on their, their hands on this? Uh, do we know <laughs> how many still need to be converted? Because this seems like it could be a big problem too. Yeah. No, that's a $64,000 question, guys. Um, because there isn't a defined data source that says exactly how many 3G devices, let's just talk trucking that need to still be upgraded. There is an unknown. And so there are pockets of information. Obviously, providers of solutions, of technology platforms, know their clients and those who have 3G devices that must be upgraded. But factoring those units that have to be upgraded by the dates, because you referred to the various dates on the various carriers, along with the, um, the commitment from the customer from the trekking company in this case that they're ready to go that they want to get this done um, there is no there's no perfect scenario there's no way to lay out this timeline in terms of access to hardware that's going to be ideal so the the bottom line is for for the audience every day you wait is another day of risk as, as this funnel tightens and we get to the back end of these dates that there will not be hardware um, and the that's obviously a gating factor here, but there, it, this is a job that requires physical labor. That could be anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours of downing an asset, which is costly. Um, and uh, there, are, there are just no options at this point in time. That's kind of the message. It's time to get on the phone and figure it out if uh, anybody in our audience hasn't done that already. Wow. So, so Derek, let's let's uh, let's uh, kind of qualify this a little bit. Is is this something that could be a disruptor to the supply chain, or is this more a internal risk to those to those carriers and fleets that that don't get this done? Is their operation going to suffer? Yeah, absolutely. So you think about think about how the industry relies on data now and visibility mm -hmm. to assets. And that's where the efficiency comes from. So if you lose visibility because you can't connect and view your assets, then that has a direct impact on fleet utilization. It will absolutely have a ripple effect on the ability of freight to be picked up and delivered. So now, now uh, quantifying that is incredibly difficult. That's why it's such a concerning issue 
is how do you how do you put parameters around what that might look like? Uh, it's but yes, it's a it's a significant concern that could exacerbate an already constrained uh, supply chain. Mm-hmm. Well, Derek, hopefully we've put the fear of God in some in some fleet manners. This serious <laughs> issue, and you need to start doing something about it. If you didn't now, turn the show off at this point in the show and, and get on it. If that's your job, um, if that's not your job, stick around because I want to ask you really quick: How's that innovation lab going that we touched on? You had just opened it up during our last interview. It's been several months now. So how are things over there? Thanks for asking. Yes, it's going incredibly well. Uh, We've expanded it. Um, We're doing uh, a number of interesting projects that all tie into this future that we're talking about now. So a smart, connected, to some degree, autonomous future in trucking is in front of us. And and we're working on incredibly cutting edge projects every day in the lab to help the industry figure that out. So things are going really well. Very cool. And this is our prediction show. So before we let you go, what's uh, one prediction you have that could impact your customers for 2022? Uh, I believe that this perfect storm we're describing on 3G, there will be some who who suffer greatly mm-hmm. as a result of waiting. Um, and so, again, I know it's a doom and gloom, fear-based comment. I'm normally a little more optimistic, but I think it's important we get that message out there to everybody that it's time to go. There will be carriers who, who have significant impact to their ability to deliver freight directly as a result to delaying this, uh, this move that needs to be made. So I hope I'm wrong, but I'm afraid I, I may not be. Yeah. Hey, and it's not doom and gloom if it's realistic, though. I mean, look, you're just trying to the doom and gloom is if you don't pay attention to the warning signs, you just drive into yeah, the cliff anyway. Exactly I mean, right. it's there. There's a lot of pratfalls out there. Derek, thanks so much. Hopefully people listened and they make the changes that they need to make. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. You know, so, someone over here who's going to join us next, he uh, was accused on LinkedIn of being a little doom and gloom with these predictions. Yeah, but, I, uh, saw, I saw that comment. <laughs> I feel like that kind of, like, it's the nature of talking about what's happening in supply chain 2022. You want to be hopeful. But like I said, we're opening the year with a record number of container ships out over in SoCal. We've got a record high drive-in rate. we got record high reefer rates. we yes. got ocean rates that are a little bit down, as we showed earlier. They're a yeah, little bit but down, still but still, like- you're talking... 17,000 to 20,000, right? Yeah, 15 to 17 versus 17 to 20. So still... On rates that used to be 1,700. I don't know. We'll find out if he's Nostradamus or Nostradamus. It's John T. Reiser, CP. <laughs> Who wrote that? EVP of Global Supply Chain at the Cannon Group. We're Nostradamus up here. You're, you're Nostradamus. John, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you back, man. So how, uh, what prompted you, first of all? So you did this thread on LinkedIn, and it said some of the things you were expecting in 2022. But what prompted you to do that? What's, how are you feeling about things right now? Uh, you know, I'm still not feeling great. Uh, I thought it was funny about the doom and gloom comment. There was the, uh, the one <laughs> poster, uh, Jay, who came in and said, you know, it's all doom and gloom for you. Unfortunately, it's just the way it's been, you know, this past couple of years uh, since COVID hit us. Um, so, you know, I put my, my top 10 list of good things I'm thankful for, for Jay, uh, just to, to make him happy. Well, we'll go but through those for this, you. Well, well John, let, let's go through them with you. So you started out with number with, with rates and you think they'll increase. What's What are some of your thoughts behind that? And I don't disagree with yeah. you at all, especially no. as we look at the early returns already in January. And one thing you have to remember, too, with that ocean, with the uh, with the inland rates that we, we were telling you guys about yeah. at 383, this is last week's data. Yeah. So this is data from all of last week. We, we I think, expect that to actually go up next week. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So tell us what your thoughts are on rates, though, both ocean and inland. Yeah, so, I mean, I mainly focus on the ocean portion for, uh, for my company. Uh, a lot of what we do is basically from the ocean to the, to the warehouses. So from our perspective, I mean, 
we just continue to see rates increase. Yes, we have seen the rates, you know, decrease uh, here in the last uh, few weeks. Um, you know, we had that dip about a month ago that lasted about two weeks and then rates increased again. Um, we're still seeing, you know, there's capacity being taken out of the market from ocean. A lot of it's due to the West Coast port congestion. I think right now the dwell times on average of about four and a half weeks once a, a ship is uh, um, um, comes to, you know, somewhat close to the nautical mile, mile queuing system they have. Um, but I think it's just gonna it's going to increase. I think, like I said, carriers are just going to continue taking out capacity. When you have eight carriers that are now basically controlling the world global uh, freight, it's easy for them to uh, to pull that. They know what they need to do now to keep the the supply lower. Um, before it used to be cyclical, where the the BCOs, you know, we would finally get our our I guess data shine and and get the lower rates. But I don't see that happening anymore now that there's only really eight. Uh, cares controlling the world world's freight, you know, and then the three alliances. Well, didn't Buttigieg just say there's nothing funky going on there? <laughs> he said he's going to look into it and take oh, a strong hand. Yeah. Like yeah. he does with anything. <laughs> no collusions at all. No, no, no. None, of, none of that's going None of that's going Well, how about space then? So you yeah, kind of yeah, touched yeah. on capacity. How do you think space is? Do you see any growth or, or contraction there? I remember when we had um, uh, Brian, Brian Patrick Borkon from Seco. He was telling us that there's no new ships that are coming out in 2022. None. All the, all the building deliveries are in 2023. So what do you, how do you see capacity? going this year i see it the same way i mean capacity we know isn't going to come online new capacity until 23 um you know i'm surprised with all these chartered vessels that are now popping up that they can even find those because you know before the charter vessels came the reports were we're basically at 99 percent capacity for the world right now in terms of uh available ships so i think capacity will be taken out a lot of it will be taken out i think you know because of the blank sales that are going um that are occurring now uh with the west coast uh issues I'm hoping that, you know, with some of those, as I put in my, my post, that with some of those container vessels that are being taken out, that they can utilize those to go into L.A. or to the East Coast ports that have the, the you know, unsightly uh, um, piles of uh, containers of empty sitting there that they can be used to, to pull those and, you know, free, free up more space especially the, the chassis that we're waiting for to, to move the full container. So um, will uh, March Madness occur this year and how deep will the Buckeyes go? March Madness will occur. The Buckeyes will go deep. Uh, you know, they, haven't had a, they haven't had a few good years lately, so hopefully uh, something happens this year. At least no, in but, basketball, I should say. Football, yeah, right. you know, Rose Bowl and all is good. Let's talk about the union. Let's talk about the longshoremen. Are we looking at strikes this well, year? Hold on one second. Hold on a second. Because yeah. you do mention March Madness. And if you remember, yeah. in 2020, we've been stuck in this time loop for two years. But in yeah. 2020, the canceling of March Madness was a big indicator. So let's not move oh, yeah. off that just yet. Okay. What about the ports? What do you see about Omicron doing out there and the zero COVID policy over in China? Um, I mean, I think the ports, were, we're just starting to see the issues. Uh, and we haven't really seen issues. It's not widely reported on uh, employee or labor shortages uh, on the ports. But I think as uh, you guys stated at the beginning of the show, I mean, everybody now knows someone who has had COVID. You know, like uh, like the dude said at the beginning, I didn't know anyone in the first wave or the Delta wave that had COVID. You know, now it's every day you're finding out about someone that you know that's close to you that that has it. Um, so I think it's going to just escalate at the ports. Um, I, gotta, I think we're going to see a lot of labor shortages there that's going to cause some more congestion. With China, yeah, I mean, they had the zero uh, case policy. Uh, you got Dalian that was just, uh, I think, reported the first three cases today. You got Tianjin, you got Qingdao, uh, Ningbo, and I think Shenzhen are all now, you know, with cases of of uh, Omicron that have been present. 
But I think, you know, it's going into the Chinese New Year. So they're, you know, they're getting ready to shut down anyway. I think it could be possible where there's kind of an extended shutdown, especially at the factories, uh, to basically let the the employees um, celebrate the new year, but also try and uh, get the Omicron out of, out of the area. But, you know, as one of the posters said today, a lot of the issues that we're seeing now are, are American issues. I mean, L.A. is basically making the whole world congested. OK, so let's talk about that U.S. congestion. What do you what do you see there? Are we going to start solving some of the issues inside the mainland? Um, I think it's 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 going to go to that the well the big part will be the ILWU with their uh, freight contract expiring on June thirtieth. I, I don't see anything happening, and I think it's going to get worse with that. Um, they've got everything they need to negotiate whatever they want. Mm. Um, I mean, everyone could get a free Mercedes right now if they wanted because there's been so much money made by the carriers. It's not private knowledge. Um, you know, everybody wants a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. So. I think a lot of things that we need to do, like such as the uh, making the ports more efficient with more automation, I don't think it's going to happen here because right now the ports can negotiate that out. You know, the list of the top 50 ports in the U.S. doesn't list any U.S. port, or I'm sorry, the top 50 ports in the world don't list any of the ports in the U.S. Uh, for top efficiency. So I think we need to do a lot of improvements there. I'm hoping with the infrastructure bill that we'll see something. But again, as I posted earlier, uh, it's government money. Usually takes a while to get, and you know a lot of the 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 costs are going to be, I think, more inflated and probably over budget and and uh, run longer than expected. So, so it's that doom and gloom and effect. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we've seen the the sort of uh, the marketing output coming out of the port to try and to try and get this money in the press conferences they've been doing, and also they've had this fee, this dwell fee that every Monday at three thirty p.m. Eastern time they have delayed for ten weeks in a row. If you need to wind your watch, just keep an eye on that that delay fee. You think they keep continuing pushing that off, and we sort of see what's happening where terminals themselves do these at their own discretion? Yes, because I mean, I, I think it was one of those where it looked great on paper. Um, and even when you have your economists look at it, it sounds great. But then when it's going out to the actual companies that it's going to affect, I mean, yeah, it's great that it was, you know, supposed to affect the, the carriers only, but then as we all saw, the carriers are just going to pass it on to the BCOs and the, the fee itself. I mean, maybe if it was a hundred dollars a day, not where it built up, you know, a hundred to 200 to 300 each subsequent day mm-hmm. might be a little more tolerable, but I, I just don't see how anyone can afford that with, the you know the increases in in just the freight rates alone as well as the yeah. So what about profitability in the in the in the carriers? We saw some of them uh, like stop because they could had nowhere else to put the car- the cash. Yeah. Do those rates keep keep going up, or do we see more uh, of the uh, hey we're we're already charging twenty twenty k to get from you know uh, Ningbo to 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 L A. So that's all we need. You know, I, I'd like to say they stop just because they're making you know such large amounts of money right now, but yeah. I, I just don't see it happening. I mean. Right now, you're looking at contract negotiations. Those are going to start start earlier because, uh, from what we understand, there's only going to be a fixed alloc- or a smaller fixed allocation of space uh, for fixed rates. So, I think the carriers will come down. I think you know the fixed rates are going to increase. So, uh, we were fortunate last year to get some fixed rates. I think those for us will probably you know maybe go up thirty to to fifty percent just because of where the spot market is. So. The carriers are going to make more money just, you know, even though they're fixing the rates, instead of having the customers go to the spot market, they're still going to make more money on fixed rates. Then the spot market, I mean, right now, I need a little blip on the radar is can create a panic, which is going to cause mm-hmm. the, uh, the the rates to increase. Um, I mean, fortunately, yes, the rates are, are down now from where the, the peaks were, but they're still high. 
Um, going into the Chinese New Year, you know, rates tend to increase more um, as we see that. But ironically, just yesterday or today, China time, my Shanghai office was able to get a uh, booking for two 40-foot high cubes to ship before Chinese New Year, which I thought was, you know, kind of crazy for the time. Um, I just thought, you know, there's just no no way of getting any space. And that's from Ningbo to New York City. So it's not, uh, you know, it's a, it's a major lane, um, which you would expect to be at full capacity now. John, there's a huge growing population of vaxxed people that just want to move on, right? And you see it at sporting events. You saw them full throughout the year. And I, I thought conferences would recover pretty early on, but we're seeing with with Omicron, that's just not the case. See, yes, attendance was down 75% in January. So people are still taking this seriously. And, hey, maybe you'll take a ticket to a football game, but maybe for work you're not as willing to take a flight to Vegas to go stand around a conference for, for three days or do business travel. Do you see right. recovery there? I, I personally don't think it'll be as bad as 2021, but I think it, we're all confused now because it's 2022 and you just it's hard to make plans when plans can get canceled so easily. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a doctor by any trade, but, uh, you know, right now we've got a, a potential conference for customer bars in Vegas at the end of February going into March. It's actually right during uh, TPM. So, um, you know, right now we're just kind of up in the air. It would be my first trip uh, since November of 2019 for, for work um, just because of COVID. Uh, so, you know, I'm, you know, hesitant to go. I'm fully vaxxed and boosted. Um, but still there's that hesitation just with, you know, how everyone's getting Omicron now. Uh, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day saying, you know, it's like chicken pox used to be where they would say, just go visit your friend who has chicken pox, get it so you can get it over with, you know, yeah, with the mild yeah, case and symptoms parties. that everyone's experiencing. It's like, yeah. why not do that now? Yeah. Yeah. We used to have pox parties when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. I, I was, when I f finally had my kids, I was shocked to know they finally had like a, va I'm like, we don't have to, when he's 10, yeah. by the time, if he doesn't have a time he's 10, we don't have to just take it to the kid down the street. We're not in the dark exactly. ages anymore. What about some of the positive uh, stuff? Yeah, John, you got a Go positive ahead. one. So you don't come, so you don't leave us all doom and gloom. The positive, uh, yeah. the positive was I got a contain two container space <laughs> today, uh, Sweet. from uh, New York to, or Ningbo to New York, which was great. Well, that is excellent, and we, and we love to hear it. Now we're almost at a time for here. One at forty grand. Yeah, people who want to <laughs> yeah, connect. Yeah. People it's who want fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> John, people who want to connect with you, where do we send them to? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at John uh, Reeser. Uh, you can also email me at John Reeser, or sorry, just J Reeser R E I S E R at P D I S A N E C K dot com. John, thank you so much for your time today. We don't necessarily like what you have to say, but we agree with it, and we we kind of think it's happening. Thanks. Thanks Thank for the you. dumbass comment, too. Well, that was us, <laughs> but I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> anyways, there, there are a few comments in the comment section as well. Thank you once again. There's a few comments in the comment section. Duncan Wright from UW, UWL, he says to see, he expects to see an expansion of current spot charter operations, feeder and break bulk companies to act as sweeper vessels throughout the year. And he says that'll offer some slight relief. So hopefully it does. Um, Lauren Began, she says that uh, one more item for the list, the Federal Maritime Commission will continue to consider cases that will seek to define demerge and detention and further refine there should be appropriate and fair application yeah. of those. Emily Dresch, she's a Drajan Operations bookkeeper. She says she has a conversation with one of her favorite warehouse managers uh, today about how we can always hope for the best, but we can plan for the worst with a chuckle on both ends. I think that <laughs> knowing chuckle, we all know. John Fitzgerald, VP of Business Development at Project 44, multi-billion dollar company now, by the way. Yeah. It says, it uh, looks like no relief until 2023 or later. Those guys know data like we do, so. They certainly do. Steven Nordruff, here's one Vice President of Midwest Regions at HMM. He said the increased level of contract 
contract rates, whether fixed-based or otherwise, so it was significantly more than 50%, keeping in mind contracts signed a year ago were likely priced below $2,500 for 40 port to port. 2022 contracts likely be 150% or higher above those 2021 levels. Buckle up, people. 2022 is going to be a tough ride on this death loop that we're stuck on here. Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Tuner, that's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>